Welcome to this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. My God. See, some of us got to just learn to praise Him, even when things didn't turn out the way you thought. Even though you didn't have a year like you had hoped for, that you'll praise Him anyhow. Hallelujah. Even though not everything's answered. See, until you can learn to do that, you'll stay right where you are. Oh, see, we don't like that. See, you you want a God to be like Santa Claus. Yeah, go ahead. Listen to what I just said. We want God to be like Santa Claus. You want him to bring you everything you want, and when he doesn't, you pout. You know how many Christians pout because they didn't work out? But but God's word is clear. And where we're going to go today, I think, in the word of God, he, he needs you and I to praise him even when you don't get what you want. Even when it doesn't look like what you thought it might look like, he needs you and I to praise him anyhow. And until we can learn the secret of that, we, we end up being, be, we'll end up having to tarry in places that we should have already breezed through. Hallelujah. We should have been done past here by now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we've got to learn to praise him in spite of a circumstance. And, and, and even, even when we don't see what it is that we have need of, even, even what we ask him for, hallelujah, I'll thank you anyway, hallelujah. E- even though you, you still haven't paid off that debt, you'll give him thanks and praise anyhow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because that's the God that we serve. He's worthy of our praise. Worthy of our praise today. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. See, that'll take you back to some roots. Hallelujah. My roots in the Methodist church. Glory to God. That's where I learned that song. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Happy New Year to you. Mm. Not long from now. Hallelujah. Not long now, a brand new year, a brand new season. We're fixing to turn the page on 2023. Amen. I can't help but thank him that I made it. Amen. There were some times this year I didn't know I would. There were some times this year I didn't think that I would ever see December 31st. Amen. There were some situations I wasn't so sure I would get out of. Amen. But I thank him we're still here. Amen. We're still here. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just need to remind the devil I'm still here. Amen. Your worst nightmare. I'm still here. I mean, do you believe that you are the enemy's worst nightmare? Amen. See, if you know who you are, then, then you'd know that you're, you, the enemy just detests that you and I are still here, that we still give him praise, that, that even in the face of hell, I can still utter a voice of praise. Even when I, you're in lack or in pain or whatever's wrong with your life, he just despises when you and I can still give thanks to God and give him praise even so. Hallelujah. Amen. So that, that's why it's important that you know who you are. I told the Tuesday night crew a couple of weeks ago that I believe the greatest revelation that the church can ever receive. This is deep now. It's actually not. It's simple. But the greatest revelation that I believe the church can ever receive is 
The devil is a liar. Now, if you take the time to think about it, I can't teach it and re-preach it. But as I was teaching the kingdom, but, but the greatest revelation, do you know how many people that we serve God, we sit in church, and we don't fully have the revelation the devil is a liar. All the things that you are told, all the nonsense you left, leave go around in your head, that the source is the enemy, not God. Amen. The reason why we, and if you could just get the revelation, the devil is a liar and a, the father of every lie. Amen. Amen. It would solve so many of our problems. You, some of you need to just start praying, Lord, give me revelation. The devil is a liar. Amen. The devil is a liar. See, I have that kind of revelation, and, and sometimes people will say things to me, and I'll look them dead in the face and say, that's a lie. Ramona, that's a lie, I'll tell them. This lady the other day at the store, I said, that's a lie. She looked at me and thought as if I was calling her a liar. No, I was just rebuking what she had to say. That was not truth. It's a lie. And if you're going to choose to live in a lie and then try to tiptoe into the truth, your mind, the Bible says, a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. Oh, see, I wasn't even fixing to go here today. I said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, meaning God can't give you what he promised you because you're unstable. Oh, my goodness. Help me, Lord. So you and I need the revelation that the devil is a liar so I can be in position to understand that anything that is spoken to me or that comes in my peeny little brain sometimes that is contrary to the word of God, I can cast it down. That's why the word of God says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Oh, hallelujah. So we need a revelation that the devil is a liar. As you go into 2024, you need to pray for that. Lord, give me revelation that the devil is a liar. So that anything that does not line up with the word of God, so therefore you have to know the word in order to know if it's a lie or not. Right? You, you have to know the word. So it might help if you crack your Bible, you read it, you do something, you pay attention to the word of fires we post even on social media. You, you pay closer attention in the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You do all those things. That way you know a lie when you hear a lie. So you can look someone dead in the face. That's a lie. See, I didn't tell her she was a liar. I said that's a lie. So you have to know the word. Anything that is contrary to God's word, I'll denounce it and rebuke it. That way it can't, I can't receive it into my life and it take root and grow. And so it puts me in a position that all, I, all that ever has, takes root and grows in my life are the promises of God. Hallelujah. Because I know what is a lie and I know what is truth. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, give us revelation. The devil is a liar. Help us to know that. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I don't want to be unstable. Mm. I'm convinced more and more. I'm going to get to the message in a moment. I'm convinced more and more that, that most people who are unstable and their emotions all over the place is this right here. We need a revelation. The devil is a liar. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Or I don't have to take a pill to level me out. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to meditate and, and, and take five deep breaths in the morning, right? I just need to have a revelation. The devil is a liar and the father of every lie. Hallelujah. It'll help you have peace. It'll help you have peace. 
It'll help you maintain the joy. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hey, hallelujah. So I can maintain strength when I can keep my joy. Thank you, Lord. Keep us strong this year, oh God. Keep us strong this year, Lord. Help me maintain my joy. I'm going to maintain my joy by recognizing the devil is a liar. Yes, I can laugh in the face of adversity because I know the source of where it comes from. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'll move on. Hallelujah. I, I hope you heard what I'm telling you. I'm tell- it'll be life-changing for you. It'll help you. It'll, it'll change your world. If you can just receive what I'm telling you, we're going to go into the Word of God today. I believe Numbers chapter 20. Uh-huh. Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. Right there in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 20, we're going to read, I guess we'll start in verse 2. Hallelujah. I titled today's message, Between a Rock and a Hard Place. And then I sort of made a a brief adjustment to it. And really the title is Between the Rock and a Hard Place. Between the rock and a hard place. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse 2. Are you there? Amen. Hallelujah. Look at this. And there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people strove with Moses and spake, saying, Would that we had died when our brethren died before Jehovah. And why have we brought the assembly of Jehovah into the wilderness that we should die there? We and our beasts. And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly. In other words, they had to get away from the people. Sometimes people will drive you crazy. So it says when, when the, Moses and Aaron went away from the presence of the, of the assembly unto the door of the tent of meeting and fell upon their faces and the glory of Jehovah appeared unto them. And Jehovah spake unto Moses saying, take the rod and assemble the congregation. You and Aaron thy brother and speak ye unto the rock before your eyes that it give forth its water. And thou shalt bring, excuse me, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so that thou shalt give the congregation and their cattle drink. And Moses took the rod from before Jehovah as he commanded him. Verse 10, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said to them, hear now, you rebels. (laughs) Listen to what he told the church folk. 
Amen. He said, here now, you rebels, you out of control people, shall we bring you forth water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and smote the rock with his rod twice. And water came forth abundantly, and the congregation drank and their cattle. And Jehovah said to Moses and Aaron, because you believed not in me. Because notice he didn't follow instructions. He said, because you have not believed in me to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Hmm. These are the waters of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with Jehovah, and he was sanctified in them. Now, some of you might be, huh, where are we going to go? Just bear with me today. I'm going to give you a couple of points before we probably get where we're going to want to go today. But I'm using this text today because I believe, especially as we just came through the holidays, being with people and being with people that maybe you don't necessarily always enjoy being with or seeing people that you don't necessarily <laughs> always enjoy seeing. Hallelujah. I'm using this for this particular reason. Moses has been assigned to these people. I need you and I to first begin to recognize today that there are some people that God assigns us to. You need to understand there are some people that are meant to be in your life. And then there are some people that are not necessarily meant to be in your life. And so the Bible says that Moses was assigned to them. There are some people you and I need to be able to recognize who we are assigned to in this life. And Moses has been assigned to people, and the people he was assigned to are not always nice. I, I want you to notice that first, not, that not all the people that God assigns us to are always nice. Just be, but, but just because people aren't nice to you doesn't mean that you aren't assigned to them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That sometimes even if someone isn't always nice, that you and I can still love them and we know that we're assigned to them. We know that they're supposed to be in our life. They, they can be cranky, but they're supposed to be in our life. Amen. We, I, I, I can have mood swings, but I'm still maybe supposed to be in your life. Are you hearing me? That doesn't mean that everyone's always necessarily nice. But we live in a time, I believe, we live in a time where people give up their assignment for comfort. Stay with me now. Don't, don't lose me. I, I said we live in a time where people will give up their assignment of people just to be comfortable. I don't need this. Oh, somebody has said that recently. I can sense that, right? I don't need this. I'm not putting up with this. But the question really is, are they assigned to you or not? Oh, I heard some grumbling through this place today. Are you all still with me? Happy New Year. It's going to get better, I promise. Hallelujah. See, we often have a tendency to think that we, they, they, they sort of thought, they, they think if they're not comfortable, then we're not assigned. But occasionally, I've learned that God assigns you and I to hard places. See, I almost titled the message Hard Places. Because God assigns us to hard, challenging things. Uh-huh. Anybody been through some hard things? 
See, if we'll be honest about the year we've come through, some of us have been through some hard things. See, I, I preach about stuff for you to try to help you make it through. I don't ever tell you what my hard places are, but all of us in this room who have been through anything and trying to live for God and with God know what it is to go through some hard places. And so depending what I've learned, depending on what was modeled in front of you and I, and depending on our level of character and depending on our personality, it is possible for you and I to forsake the assignment because of the surroundings to which we are assigned. Um, in other words, sometimes we'll walk away from things and people and places because it gets too hard. Oh, my God. I know Ramona's with me. Amen. Are you hearing me? That sometimes we walk away from things and people and places prematurely because it just got too hard. Our culture in America sort of sort of you know, puts that within us, right? It, 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 it's easy to give up and walk away on anything now, hallelujah. It's hard to stay. Come on, it's hard to stay married. Mm, gee, let all the married people say amen. It's hard to stay married. It's hard sometimes to deal with those that, that, go, that we're related to. It's hard sometimes to just get up and go to work. It's hard sometimes just to deal with people. And so sometimes it's easier to walk away than to stay connected to what God has assigned us to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so sometimes we, we just, we're, we're quick to vocalize we're quick to vocalize what we're thinking, what we're feeling. Everybody's a news reporter now. That's why I can barely stomach social media. Everybody reports on everything. Everybody thinks that they've got some breaking news to share, and everyone's got their thoughts about the world, and I'm really not interested in your thoughts. I don't really care. Amen. Because unless you've prayed over it, studied the word, it just doesn't mean anything. Hallelujah. Because it won't remain. Amen. Only God's word and what he has spoken will remain. Hallelujah. And and so we, we, everyone's quick to give an opinion about something, say something, all of those things, and, 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 and vocalize publicly what we're frustrated about. And so we part do that because we, we're trying to retaliate against something that we feel as an injustice. What I've learned, though, about people who retaliate is behind their retaliation is frustration. Come on, anybody in here ever retaliate on their spouse or something because of something they did? I know. Look at Cindy. She's shaking her head. No. Hallelujah. Can't we all pray we'd be like her? Hallelujah. Behind the root of our retaliation is often frustrating. Trust me, we're going to get to something real good here in a moment, but bear with me. I have to lay this foundation. Frustration occurs in your life. I don't know if you, sometimes I just find myself in a season of frustration. But frustration occurs in your life when your life does not look like what we imagined it to be. Oh, hallelujah. You get frustrated in your relationship when it doesn't look like what you imagined it to be. You get frustrated with your checkbook when it doesn't look like what you imagined it to be. You get frustrated with the doctor when you don't feel like you imagined you would. Come on, somebody. We get frustrated even with God sometimes when life isn't looking like what we imagined it to be. So I tend to get an attitude. Uh-huh. 
And so this text that we read in Numbers, I, I was reading it out of the Revised Standard Version today because I liked the way that it laid it out. So I was using something a little bit different. But the text is literally looking at the imagination of the people. Maybe if you have to, you go, you go home and read it again if you have to. It's looking at the imagination, the imagination of the people who were saying, hey, hey, Moses, where are the figs? Where are the pomegranates? Oh, I see are sand dunes and hot gusts of air. Where's all those pomegranates? Where is this promised land? And so to summarize, they were basically assaulting Moses and making Moses responsible for their choice to go. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, help us to get revelation today. Did you hear what I just said? They were assaulting the man of God. For their choice to go. Do you, you do realize Moses didn't force them to go. Moses didn't hold a, a knife to their neck or a gun to their back and say, get moving. He laid it out and said, this is where we're going. Do you want to go? And they followed, hoping and imagining for something better. And now, because things don't look like what they had imagined, they're assaulting and they're blaming him because it doesn't look like what they imagined. Have you ever blamed someone because your life didn't turn out how you thought? Uh, have you ever blamed God? Have you ever tried to blame your spouse? Hallelujah. Have you ever tried to, 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 to just blame others because it doesn't look like how you thought? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You got to remember they, they had come from Egypt. It wasn't as though Egypt was a great place to be. Remember, they were in slavery. We do remember this, right? They were in slavery. They were being used and abused there. And yet they are murmuring and complaining about everything they don't see. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny and just simply amazing how quickly we forget what worse looks like? Oh, my, 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 my. Are you all with me today? We, how quickly we forget what worse like. Some of us have been through hellish times. Some of us have been through bad times. But, but even as time goes, we tend to forget what worse looks like. Because in the text, remember, they start telling him, we, we should have just died in Egypt. We should have just stayed there in slavery. I mean, listen how ridiculous it is that, they, that, that they're pointing out. But we're going to come back to that in a moment. The first point I want to make to you today, for those of you that take notes, the first point is understand underestimating the difficulty of the assignment will get you into trouble. If you underestimate the difficulty of the assignment, it will get you in trouble. Now, this is in, first in, in part fault to the people who have mentored us and raised us and we've been around all of our life. Let me explain to you. People often that, that, that we learn from often make things look easier than they really are. Amen. Not wanting to murmur and complain. Some people that, that we are raised around, never you didn't hear them murmur and complain. They, they sort of made things look simple until you actually took the job and then you realized that the job was harder than they made it seem. Some people that, that we watched as we grew up be married made marriage look easier and more simplistic than it actually is. Uh-huh. Amen. 
Because some of us know, uh, some, some people were mentored by, by their, their parents, their, the people that, that were their guardians, never arguing in front of them. And so they made it look like marriage never had arguments. And then you got married. And you thought, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us, right? They made it look simple. And then some of us, we, we just saw, we, we were raised in hell and we're living in hell when it comes to our arguments. Amen. And so some of us have had different experiences, but no matter where we are in life, some people that have mentored us make it look more simplistic than it actually is. Uh, some mothers make mothering and having a baby look easy and simple until you have your first baby. Amen. And so when you actually started it, it's not necessarily as glamorous as dating it. You're hearing what I'm saying. It's not necessarily, it's not as glamorous when you become a mother as it is looking at others being a mother. Because when you look at others being a mother, you're not dealing with the dirty diapers being up four times in the middle of the, of the night, a crying baby that just won't shut up, amen. But some other mothers make it look glamorous. And so it's nice to be able to date that, visit it, see it, but it's a total different story when it becomes your reality. Hallelujah. See, listen to what I'm trying to, I, I want to try to make it clear. Dating is more glamorous than marriage. I'm going to prove it to you. Watch this. I said dating is more glamorous than marriage. Hallelujah. See, some of you have forgot. We forgot already. I said dating is more glamorous than marriage. Here's why. This is why dating is more glamorous than marriage. Because dating is filled with tic-tacs cologne, deodorant, and all the nice things, right? Nicey, nice things, right? But marriage is full of bad breath. Marriage is full of sharp words. Marriage is full of all kinds of unexpected expectations, unexpected situations. Amen? So that's why I'm saying it that way, that, 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 that dating is far more glamorous See, we, 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 once we get married, we'll argue over it's too cold in here, it's too hot in here. We, we can't get along about anything. Now when you go to buy a bed, you can't just buy a bed. Do you know how frustrating it is when you have a budget the size of a, a, a you know, a, a, a green bean, and you go in to buy a bed, and that, that, I mean, the thousands of dollars, because this side raises up, and this side can go down, and while this side's heated, this side can be cool. I mean, all of this crazy stuff, look at the, the to the lengths that we go, because we can't even agree it's too hot in here. See, now I got your attention. Some of you have bought a bed of late. Hallelujah. Praise God. And beyond that, we, 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 and if, if the bed won't satisfy us, I'll just sleep somewhere else. I got my own room. Have it how I want it, as hot as I want, as cold as I want, right? Amen. These are the things that we have to deal with. And so uh, the, discrepancy, the, the, the discrepancies in our comfort have become so paramount, even in our marriages, that we have to do two separate things just so each can be comfortable. Are you with me now? See, I knew I had to break it down for you. Hallelujah. See, what we don't often understand, we, we do not understand that hard places are given to strong people. I need you to understand that, that, that hard places that we endure are given to strong people. 
But the question that this text poses to me today that I want to turn over to you is the question is, can God trust you in a hard place? Can God trust you in a hard place? In other words, can God trust you when things are, 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 when things are falling? We know that God can often trust us when things are falling into place and going well. But can God trust you when you get laid off? Can God trust you when your car gets repossessed? Can God trust you when, 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 when there's trouble all around you? Can God trust you when your back is against a wall and your resources have dried up? Hallelujah. Can God trust you even when your enemies are saying, where is your God? But then God is saying, where is your praise? Are you with me now? Hallelujah. See, see, that's the question. Can God trust you in a hard place? I preached a message one time. Can God trust you in trouble? That's that's the question. See, some of you freak out. I I alluded to it earlier when I said that you and I've got to make sure that we give God praise even when it's all falling apart. Amen. When things don't look good, because until you and I can learn to do that, you're going to keep going and living through the same cycle. How many of you remember back in school, you could not move on to the next grade until you passed the grade before? And if you were like me, you had to maybe do one more than twice, once. Hallelujah. I was not disciplined as a student when I was younger. There were other things that were my priority. Hallelujah. I won't tell you what those things were. Hallelujah. But before I could move on to eighth grade, I had to graduate seventh grade. And when I didn't do so well and couldn't finish seventh grade and had to repeat it, before I could move on to eighth grade, I had to repeat seventh grade. That is a similar principle when it comes to the things of God. God needs to know, can he trust you with trouble? Can we stop blaming everybody else and everything else and blaming God and get to a point where we can accept responsibility and say, I got here by myself. My choices may have brought me here or I chose to come here or there's some things that I've done. But even though whether I chose it or God, you brought me, I'll still bless you. I'll still praise you. I'll still give you glory. See, that's the question. Can God trust you in a hard place? Hallelujah. That's why I said earlier, we often love God just being like Santa Claus and bringing us everything that we want. Amen. Bringing us what we've asked for. And then uh, uh, just like the kids do for Santa Claus, they'll lay out cookies and milk because they know he's going to bring them what they've asked for. But when God doesn't bring you and show up with what you and I ask for in, in, in the same form that you expected him to do, we, we, we get mad because now we're not comfortable. Now we're uncomfortable. But, 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 but can you and I make a choice that we can still be assigned and be miserable? Can I still stay where I'm assigned to be and be miserable? Hallelujah. See, I want to clarify, there are some things that we do bring on ourselves. There are some things that are assigned in our life because of our own lusts. Because of our own sins assigned it to us. Because of our own pride. Because of our own ego. Hallelujah. But I, I'm not talking about the times that, 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 uh, that, that, that you assign things to you. I want to share with you about the times when God assigns you to a hard place. Because, see, what we often try to do is we try to rebuke the devil and try to cast out devils that are absent from situations. Oh, Hallelujah. Stay with me. There are sometimes you and I want me to rebuke and pray over a situation and rebuke a devil when he's not there. 
It's a situation I just brought on myself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so you and I have to be able to ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves sometime. Why am I praying about this devil on my money when, when it wasn't the devil that did this to my money? I did it. I couldn't put the credit card down. I, I spend on things I never should. Amen. I don't prioritize what I need to. It's not a devil. It's me. Amen. So if we're going to rebuke something, we'll have to rebuke ourselves. The question is, is can God trust you in a hard place? And, and the only way God is going to trust you in a hard place is if we can be honest about the places that we brought on ourselves. See, what I know about some things in life, if, if, if it were easy for everybody to do what you and I do, everybody would do it. Hallelujah. The reason why everybody don't become uh, what you are, the reason why everyone doesn't become a celebrity, the reason why everyone doesn't become a preacher, the reason everyone doesn't work at a bank, the reason everyone doesn't work at the place you do and deal with what you do, the reason everyone isn't married to the person you're married to, hallelujah, it's because not everybody could do it. Listen to what I just dropped on you. That's how you need to honor your spouse because you... you that, that's how awesome they really are because not everybody could deal with what you got to deal with. So God looked at you and thought, man, they are anointed and strong enough to deal with them. I, that's where they're going to go. That, that's who they're going to marry. Hallelujah. Just think about how awesome that is. God, God's trusting you with a hard place. If any, if, if everyone could, could, could do it, amen, it, it, would, it would have to be easy. But everyone can't do it. Hallelujah. See, this is why if it were easy, everyone could be a great parent. If it were easy, anyone could be a great husband or wife. But the truth is there are some people that are just hard, hard to be married to. Uh-huh. Better be careful, Lois. I heard that. Hallelujah. There are some people that are just hard to be married to. There are some people in our families that are just difficult to deal with. There are some bosses that are just hard to deal with. Hallelujah. And what I've come to realize about people, about all of us, is that we are fickle. Our feelings can change quickly and rapidly. You can love me today and walk away next week. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, and then we'll do it all in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? Uh, you, you, you can be in love and your eyes Google-wide and everything and fall out of love with your spouse next week. We are fickle. We, we, I'm telling you, we often don't realize how fickle of a, of, of, of a person we really are. We, we, we can buy into people's praises when they're, and people's adoration of us, and we can buy into the fact that people say they like us and they accept us and that they love us and they appreciate us and they validate us and all those things, but their feelings are fickle. Think about this. I'm talking about fickle people because in the text, the people in the text are fickle people. These are the same people that are complaining to, 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 uh, about Moses. They're attacking him. They're, they're throwing accusation at him. These are the same people in the text that Moses stopped from dying. When Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, he stopped them from dying, and now they're complaining that he's not enough. They're also the same people that Moses prayed till bread loaves fell from the heavens. And now he's not enough of a man for him. 
Are you following me? These are the same people that Moses cast the, the, the tree into the bitter waters of Mara and, and caused the drink, the, the water to be able to be drank healthy. These are the same people that an 80-year-old man is, is walking through the wilderness and he had not had a drink of water either just like them. But they're showing no empathy for the fact that Moses has a dry mouth too. They're showing no empathy for the fact that Moses is just as depleted and he's older. Are you hearing me? He's double their age. Most of these people are half his age and younger. And they're showing no sympathy for the fact that he's thirsty too. They're, they're complaining because they're thirsty. They're complaining because there hadn't been any water. They're complaining because it doesn't look like what they thought. And they're taking all their frustrations and their anger out on the man of God that is leading them to the promised land. And, and, and they're, they're throwing accusation at him, not considering that he's tired too, that, that he's thirsty too, hallelujah, and that he's old. He's more than double their age, hallelujah. And so yet here are these people complaining about a man that even, never even made them leave Egypt. Think about it. Moses was a man that he prayed in such a way. Think about how, what, a, what a man of God he was. Moses was, was the kind of man that he prayed in such a way that, that not one of their children died, but all of the he, Egyptian firstborn sons were destroyed. He strategically prayed. But, but yet we get amnesia when we get uncomfortable. Do you hear me? They, they, they got amnesia now that they're uncomfortable. They forgot all about the fact that he prayed in such a way to protect their sons, but that the enemy's sons would die, that, that he, he worked and moved with God in such a way to provide food for them when they didn't have any. He worked and prayed for such a way to bring them as far as they are. But now that the comfort seems to have disappeared now they sort of have amnesia and tend to forget every good thing that he has done and how he stood with them hallelujah thank you lord but people often will tend to forget everything you did because of one thing that you did do and people will will, will tend to throw you away completely oh come on somebody anybody had anybody that they claim they love you and now where are they they, they claim to be your brother or your sister in the Lord. And where are they now? See, I'm, going, I'm preaching to everybody on TV today because, see, 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 we'll use all kinds of excuses. And, and they'll tell us they love us. They'll tell us how important we are to them. Where are they now? Where, where, where are they? They're fickle. They're fickle. They got fickle feelings. Fickle feelings, meaning you can do all kinds of things right for them, just like Moses. Moses have, has brought them this far. He's done a number of things that blessed them, that helped them, that kept them from dying in the midst of their travels. And now it's gone to the point where the people have gotten uncomfortable. And because they're uncomfortable, they're frustrated. And because they're frustrated, they're attacking the one person that can help them in this moment. But they're uncomfortable. And so their opinions start changing and they have amnesia. They've forgotten all about all, all the good things he's done for them. And this one thing that is wrong, they're laying into him and letting him have it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody ever know somebody like that? Hallelujah. So they're attacking him. They're blaming him. They're assaulting him. 
And these are the same people that will later cry at the bottom of the mountain for a month because he's dead. Fickle people. Oh, how our feelings and emotions will change. The fickleness of people. But one of the things the Lord showed me through this text is the procurement of the promise doesn't negate problems. The procurement of the promise does not negate problems. Listen to me. With, with every promise that we shout about, they will not come without problems. Oh, see, we shout about the promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen. We shout about the promises of God. We, we can take any scripture in text or out of text, and we can shout about it. Something God promised us. And with every promise that we shout about, they will not come without problems. They will not come without obstacles. They will not come without setbacks, trauma, and adversity. For your information. So for everybody that thinks just the promises of God are going to fall out of the heavens, let me deflate your balloon today. I'm just going to pop it for you. All the promises of God, they will come with, with problems, obstacles, setbacks, trauma, and adversity. That's just what happens. See, the, the people in the text, they, they thought they were just going to get there and eat pomegranates and, and eat figs and without any stress. Some of us are naive into thinking because we're about to enter a new year. It's going to be great. It's going to be like living at the beach and not having any bills, you know. It's going to be great. God's just going to carry us through. Hallelujah. Newsflash, breaking news. This year and all that God will do will not come without trauma, will not come without pain, will not come without adversity, will not come without obstacles. The question is, can you thank him anyhow? Uh-huh. The question is, is in the midst of all of that, can you give him thanks and praise anyway? Because it's only with him and by him we're ever going to get through it. And so we tend to have this belief that we're going to get to enjoy the promised land without any stress. And so we, 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 you, you thought you would drink the water without ever have experiencing dryness. But I want to point out something to you that everybody in the text is dealing with dryness. Everyone in the text is thirsty. Everyone is thirsty. The people are thirsty. Moses is thirsty. God is thirsty for the praises of his people. And yet God has nothing to drink from the people but complaint. But everybody in the text is dry and still moving. As I was reading that and thinking about how everything in the text is dry and yet still moving... I, I can't help but to point out to you that you have to learn to keep on moving even when you're dry. You have to learn to keep on moving even when you're dry. Meaning, dry meaning when your legitimate needs are not being met. Dry meaning when things don't look like what you had hoped them to look like. Amen. Dry meaning when you can't control your external circumstances. I hope somebody's hearing me. Dry, dry meaning you can't control those circumstances around your life, and yet you must make progress even under pressure. Are you hearing me? But you have to keep moving. And so the Bible said that, that with their parched lips and their dry tongue, they kept on moving. 
You and I've got to just learn to always keep on moving. We, we, we can't sit down and, and bask in how we feel about what's going on. We have to just keep moving. You know how many times we, we just try to sit back and we bask in, in, in our emotions and we, we, we wallow in our own swallow? You know how I, I can get torn up real quick if I waller in everything that is wrong far too long. Because th- th- this text teaches you and I that, yes, things can go wrong and things don't go right, but you and I have to keep on moving. Look, even in their thirst, they kept on moving. Even in their discomfort, they were still moving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because th- discomfort makes you and I, makes your tolerance stronger to pain. The reason that we'll go through difficult times and times of discomfort is God is trying to make you and I stronger, our, our tolerance to, to, to pain stronger. So it, what, what used to bother me won't bother me anymore. So that, that what used to make me flip out on you and lose my mind won't make me do that anymore, that I've overcome that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you're going through what you're going through to become a better version of yourself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so there is always purpose in pain. Always purpose in pain. God always has purpose in his plans that he has for you and I. You have to remember that. You have to remember there's always purpose in it. When, when, when everything in life is, 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 is just brought to you and I, and if we, when we have this idea that God should just bring everything to us, do everything for us, serve us, hand us anything we want, anytime we want, Amen. Then, then anytime that if we try to serve God that way and we have that idea about God, then anytime something isn't given to us the way that we want it, we think we're abused. See, growing up, our parents often told us that life wasn't going to be easy. Life was going to be hard. I got married really young and my parents tried to say, Adam, it ain't always cracked up to be. I moved out really young. Because I, I barely graduated high school, but I had saved money because I was a hard worker. Bought my first town. I wasn't even 19 years old yet. And so I bought my first house, and I moved out while my mom was at work. Because I knew if I didn't, if I waited till mom was home, I'd never get to go. So while she was at work, I moved out, cleared out my bedroom, everything, moved in my house, right? Amen. And my parents get, I don't know why you're in a hurry. Life is hard. I don't know why you're trying to do this. Life is hard. I don't know why you want to get married so young. Life is hard. Why are you trying to become a father so soon? Life is hard. It ain't easy raising kids. Are you hearing me? And they kept telling me, but I didn't want to listen because I thought that I had known better. Hallelujah. But, but, but so, so you don't listen, and you and I, we all make choices, and, 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 and because we make choices that we're not prepared for, we're not prepared for the hard places that come. I, I was not prepared for the hard places that come. And so I end up in my, in my haste, to, couldn't wait to grow up and, and get going and get out of the house and all that stuff. I realized how hard life is when the bills started coming in. Amen. When I had to, 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 to pay the electric bill and the gas bill and I had to carry insurance, amen, all I had at that point was, was car insurance and a cell phone bill. But now I had house insurance and, all, and now I had taxes too and had all these things. And my dad kept saying, life is hard. Life is hard. I hope you understand what you're trying to do here. Life is hard. I don't know how you think you're going to make it on that kind of money. Hallelujah. All you're doing is working at food land. You know, it's going to take money. It's going to take, you know, that car doesn't just 
just run without gas. You know, that car needs brakes. You know, that car needs maintenance. Hallelujah. And I didn't listen. I didn't listen until all the bills started coming because I wasn't prepared. I wasn't fully prepared for what was coming. I wasn't fully prepared to work through and walk through the hard places. How many of you know life is hard? Life is hard. Life is hard. And yet the devil and a demon are not always the problem. In this text, here, here's a news flash. In this text, a devil, a demon, it, it, that is not the problem. Satan did not create the desert. It's just that the desert was the only way to get them through to the promised land with Moses. See, you, you cannot get through to the promises that we shout about without going through dry places. See, see, they are, they are hungry and they're thirsty, and yet in their minds they saw pomegranates, but in their eyes they see sand dunes. Are you hearing me? So, which brings me to my second point. I'm trying to move quickly. Uh, number two, hard places often... Hard places are often made more difficult by past problems. Oh. Hard places are often made more difficult by hard places. By, or by, hard places are often made more difficult by past problems. I'll get it right. What do I mean? This is particularly difficult for Moses. Because this text is a trigger to Moses' trauma. There are some things that will trigger you and I because of something we've been through. Mm. So the reason I am the way that I am is because of something I went through that you never experienced. You might think it's weird. You might think it's strange. You might think it's, it's not right but it is something that triggers my trauma. In other words, you bring up a, a flashback to a memory I'd love to forget. Mm. Moses has some past traumas. And what he is enduring now in the wilderness is a trigger for him. It's a trigger to his trauma because Moses' identity relies on their affirmation. Moses is, is a man who was having an identity crisis. He was raised in Egypt, but he was not an Egyptian. He was a, he was a Hebrew child that escaped the massacre and was raised in Egypt. So he was raised like an Egyptian... But genetically speaking, he was a Hebrew. And so that alone creates an identity crisis when you are raised by people that are not like you. Or when people try to tell you who and how you should be and you don't know anything about my genetic makeup and where I come from, hallelujah. See, he wasn't, he, he wasn't raised with the heritage of the Hebrews. He was raised speaking the language of the Egyptians. Yet he, he, he was a man that had an affinity for the Hebrews, even though he wasn't raised by them. And here is Moses who is homeless. He cannot go back to what raised him. And if the people that he was uh, assigned to rejected him, see, it's not just rejection 
now that he's dealing with. It's his identity. Because if you hate me, who am I? Are you hearing what I'm saying? The very people he was assigned to. Bring them out. Bring them out of Egypt. Bring them out of captivity. To go before Pharaoh, let my people go. The very people he was assigned to are now rejecting him too. Moses is in an identity crisis. He says, I'm Hebrew, but I was raised by the Egyptians. And now here I am trying to lead God's people out of captivity and lead them into the promised land. And now they've turned on me too. Who am I? I'm not Hebrew, but I'm not Egyptian either. I've loved these people. I've led these people. I've stood in the gap for these people. I've prayed for these people. I've served these people. I've loved them. I've done everything I can. But now they're turning on me too. Who am I? And where do I go? Because if they reject me, where am I going to go now? My God, my God, my God. Moses is one of the greatest leaders, arguably, I believe, of the Old Testament. And here is Moses who has a hard place that not everyone is seeing. See, you, you don't know that he's dealing with a hard place until you really look at his entire life see just by him being known makes his life a hard place being a leader can be a hard place being a breadwinner can be a hard place being as gifted as some of you are is is a hard place being chosen is a hard place so even some of the things that you and I are praying for is a hard place Remember, there was a woman in the Bible. She said, Lord, give me a child lest I die. And that same woman that that prayed for a child then later holds her stomach with, with twins and says, Lord, why am I thus? Lord, why did this happen this way? I wanted a child, but I didn't want it to be this hard. Lord, I I wanted to have a baby, but I didn't ask for twins, and I didn't ask to be this big, and I didn't think it would be this painful, and I didn't think it would be this miserable. See, God, I asked for a baby, but I didn't want the pregnancy. God, you didn't tell me that it was going to be twins, and you didn't tell me that they were going to fight in my body. See, some of you remember the story. She, She tells God, Lord, I didn't ask for this hard place. In other words, God, I asked for pomegranates and figs, and and God, you answered me with dust and freezing cold temperatures and scorching days, and and there's no rivers that are running through my desert. And and, and yet God performed a miracle, but now the miracle in the text has dried up too. You see, when, when, when we get into a hard place, have you ever noticed how if we get into a real hard place, we get vicious? If if you get in a real hard place, some people will even get toxic. Some people will get hard to deal with. Because sometimes nobody can see your hard place. I want you to hear me. not, Not everyone can see your hard place. Usually when I'm going through something, nobody knows what my hard place is. Because it's not public. Sometimes nobody can see your hard place because Moses' hard place is not so much the drought. I, I, that's what I noticed in the text. Moses was not complaining about his mouth being dry. 
because he, he is so committed to being accepted. Notice these people are his family. It's the only family he had. They're the dream that Moses had. They are his promised land. And the reason I know that is because we always pray for what we don't get. We always pray for what we don't get. He, he's been rejected by the Egyptians and driven out of the palace. And then remember, he was sent out into the wilderness to, to, to get a, a precursor to what his future would look like working with his father-in-law Jethro. Moses spent 40 years in a hard place. 40 years. Because what I found out about God is sometimes God will train you in a hard place so you don't faint like the other people around you faint. And so some of us are here today. The reason I can give God thanks that I'm still here is because I've built up an endurance. Can anyone in here say like the word of God says, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Had I not have been afflicted, I would never have known the glory of God. See, see, people can roll their eyes at me, but that's not going to make me quit. People can even write bad things about me and it won't make me quit because I've trained in hard places. Some of you know what it is to train in hard places. Some of us were raised in hard places and what other people quit over, we're just like, for real? You gonna quit and cry over that for real? I've lived through worse. I've been through worse. Are you hearing me? God is trying to develop you and grow you to be stronger than you've ever been by, by bringing you through hard places. Huh? I, I, so I don't quit over meaningless things. I, I don't quit when people don't like me. I don't quit when people reject me. Amen. People, uh, we're notorious for it on social media. We're my my Pastor Adam Page, I'll quote something, a message will go up, people don't like it, and they'll say, I'm going to start unfollowing you if you don't stop this nonsense, not before I block you. Are you hearing me? Be because people are, are so quick to just disown you because it's not something they cannot understand because now their opinion changes because now, it, 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 now God's moving in their life in a way that they're struggling to understand and instead of them seeking answers, it's easier to blame God than to take responsibility of how you got here. Oh, God Almighty. So, Moses is dealing with his internal thing that nobody sees. The people that he needed affirmation and validation from, acceptance from, so that he could have a people that embraced him. Now Moses is dealing with the people who are angry. Watch this. Moses is dealing with the people that are angry because anger is often the camouflage that hurt wears. My God, listen to what I just said. Anger is often the camouflage that hurt wears. See, it's easier for someone to be angry with you than for them to admit that you hurt me. Instead of giving people the pleasure of letting people know they hurt you, we often get, just get angry. 
Think about this. Moses, as gifted as he is and as mighty as he is, Moses has a problem with anger. See, we often tend to forget in the church that, that, that Moses was a murderer. Moses was a man with a temper and he would take you out. Moses was an ex-convict. He was running from the law. And so these people should have been careful of what they are calling him because he could backslide. Hallelujah. Amen. They're standing there attacking him and yelling at him and blaming him, this ex-con murderer on the run. But the truth of the matter is, is the people that are yelling at him are just hurt. Watch this. They are just hurt. They're, they're demonstrating their anger. Listen to what I said. Anger is, is just the camouflage that hurt wears. They're sitting there. The truth of the matter is, is they're angry because they're hurt. And they're hurt because their promise has been delayed. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? They're hurt because their promise is delayed. Some of you demonstrate anger and frustration because the promise that God gave you has been delayed. And we get frustrated because the, 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 we haven't seen the results that we wanted. Like many of you in this room, you're hurt that the promise is delayed. You're hurt because what you had in mind didn't happen like you thought. You're hurt because what the life you were living doesn't look like what you imagined. Are you still with me? See, the people envision grapes and pomegranates and a house instead of a tent. And we're hurt because I should have been further than I am by now. We're, we, we end up getting hurt because you have to, you've had to keep it moving while your mouth is dry. We, and, and then, the, and then we, 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 have, we have to find somebody to blame because of our discomfort. And so we blame the person who led us. They blamed Moses, but never acknowledged that he never made them go. So those same people that blamed Moses, the Bible says, spent 30 days at the bottom of the mountain crying over his death. In a, in a like manner, the same people that shouted Hosanna to Jesus shouted crucify him. Oh, how people are fickle. See, that, that's why I'm telling you this. Look how fickle we are, how quickly our opinions can change. See, we, we find ourselves often in a hard place when we attach our identity to other people's opinions. When what people think about you matters to you. We find ourselves in a hard place. Are you, I want you to hear what I just said. Because I believe there are some people in this room that you're in a hard place because you worry too much about what other people think. Whether they like you or not. Whether they accept you or not. Whether they like what you wear or not. Whether they think you look nice or not. Oh, God. So you find yourself in a hard place just like Moses. Because you attach your identity and who you are to other people's reactions. That's what Moses was doing. 
Moses' past, not knowing really who he was, became his tormentor in this moment. He's suffering from an identity crisis. Who am I? Where do I fit? I gave up everything to be connected to you, and now you're telling me you don't want me either. You know what's really important about this text? That, that screams out at me in this text is, is what the people are saying to him. Until you understand the consequences of your words, you will hurl them without any thought. Until you understand the consequences of your words, you will hurl them. These, these people did not know the, the, the identity crisis he was in and the things they were saying and doing were traumatizing him traumatizing him until you and I can understand the consequences of what we say we hurl them without any thought and so because they are angry and they're hurling words at him Moses loses sight of his assignment because now he becomes angry with the same people because they're angry with him you know that's scriptural the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Why? Because you can't, you can only be, think about it this way. You can only be angry with your wife so long before she will turn around and get angry with you. Whatever you sow, you will reap. The Bible also says this. The, father, the Bible says, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. You, you, you see, a, a person can only beat their kids so long and beat them till the snot falls out of them, right? Until that child's going to stand up and say, I dare you to do it. In other words, if you sow animosity, don't expect to reap respect. Are you hearing me? That's all happening in this text. Moses is getting angry because the people got angry. They're lashing out at him, so he's in turn going to lash out at them. And then he starts lashing out at God. He, 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 he's getting angry. We can't sow one thing and expect another. The third point that I'll make, the last one I'll get to make today. Speaking out of despair only intensifies the crisis. My God. Speaking out of despair only intensifies the crisis. Notice, remember, they said we should have died in Egypt. My question has always been, what difference does it make where you die? Are you any less dead if you die in Egypt than you do in the promised land? Right? Is it, are you any less dead in Egypt than you are here in the wilderness? Their complaint makes no sense. That's just like us, though. Well, sometimes we'll complain just to complain. You, you know, there are some people that just aren't happy no matter what. Oh, see, now I'm getting to where I need to be. There are some people that are just not happy no matter what. Their complaint makes no sense. Their complaint comes from a place of selfishness and pride and vindictiveness. And the only reason you, you are saying it is to hurt Moses. Do you know, the only reason some people say what they say to you is to hurt you. Because they're fickle. 
These people that Moses has been leading and loving and, and sacrificing for, they are leveling a ridiculous argument at Moses. Think about what they said. Shouldn't, couldn't we have just have died in Egypt? In other words, they're saying, I wish I had died sooner. Church people, the dumb stuff we say. This is what the Lord told me when I was reading this text. He said, he said, Adam, tell him, don't let your personal pain make you say stupid stuff. Look how bad they were hurting and it made them say something that sounded so dumb. I wish I had died sooner. Notice they're not acknowledging any of the things that God has done for them. God, I just want out of this. I wish you would have taken me out sooner. But one of the things that I, I, I think we overlook in this text is that is, that is paramount in the text is, and what gets lost is God's unfailing love and his provision for a rebellious people. When the water starts flowing, it flows on people who don't even deserve it. God's unfailing love towards his people, even when they're rebellious and foolish and resentful. See, they didn't get the water because they were good. They got the water because he was good. Right? You, you didn't talk right. You, you didn't hold on to your faith. You didn't thank him for, for the quail that he provided for you to eat. They, they had forgotten all the good that had been done for them. And, 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 and all they had done was harbor and hold on to trash. But God provided water even for the wicked. He, he provided for people who were bad. I said he provided for people even when they were bad. Oh my God, I thank God that he even provides for people that I think are bad. See, we often shout about the scripture when it says that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and we forget that sometimes we are the enemy. Oh, you realize that I've had to recognize sometimes I am the enemy and so I need to celebrate the fact that God blessed somebody I don't like and that sometimes God will prepare a table for them while I sit and watch. Oh my God, that'll help you if you'd let it. It means I don't have to get bitter and angry because someone I don't like got something I wanted. Instead of I can just sit and watch and say thank you Lord for blessing them. Must mean mine's on the way, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I can't. Let me just get to the point where I need to go because I'm out of time. Moses gets in trouble with God in the text because he misrepresented God. I, I, sadly, I don't have the time to show you that, that his error was that he struck the rock twice. He was supposed to only speak to the rock. Strike it once, speak to it once. There's a pivotal paramount reason that he should not have struck the rock twice that I won't be able to fully demonstrate to you right here, right now, because I, I, simply it's just, it's just more involved than what I have time for. But let me make it clear for you. The reason he got in trouble first for striking the rock twice was God had said, I need you to strike the rock and then I need you to speak to the rock. And the rock is Jesus. The rock in the text is Jesus. Oh. 
All through the Old Testament, we see glimpses of Jesus. Let me, let me for those of you that are like, okay, what are you trying to say? He couldn't strike the rock twice because Isaiah said that, that Jesus was, he was smitten once. To strike twice would mean that the cross was not enough. So he says, the cross is enough. That was the once. The second time, he, he's trying to point out to Moses to show the people that because of what I'm going to do on the cross, all you have to do is speak to the rock. All you have to do is speak to the rock. And Moses made the grave mistake of striking the rock twice. Not proving that all they have to do is speak to their situation. That's why I said we're between the rock and the hard place. Jesus is the rock. Amen. The Jesus is the rock. The love of God is on display right here. He said he was told to speak to the rock, and yet Moses struck the rock. So Moses was punished because he disobeyed. He was punished because Moses broke the type. The type meaning Jesus is the rock. See, see, for, for those of you that are saying, what do you mean that Jesus is the rock? It, 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 if you understand that the cross was enough, if you understand that the cross was enough, th then, you, then you can get water now just by speaking. If you're questioning whether Jesus is the rock, if you don't believe that Jesus is the rock, then explain to me when the Roman soldier pierced his side and, both, and the Bible says that both blood and water came from him, right? Also, the Bible says, the, the Bible says, woman, if you only knew who I was, you would ask me to drink, you, you would ask me to drink for whatsoever drinks of this way shall never thirst again. He is the rock. This rock is Jesus, right? The, the Bible, he, he's called the rock in the weary land. He is the rock of ages. Are you still with me? He's the stone that the builders rejected. See, I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus, he's the hewn out stone that the commandments were even written on. This rock is Jesus. And watch this. And this rock was following them all the way through the wilderness. He was following them all the way through the hard places. See, that's where I needed to bring you to. I can't preach it in its fullness, but I want you to see the rock that is Jesus was with them while he provided for them and in the hard places. When all the water dried up, the rock was there. And the rock possessed the resources and the answer all the while. Are you hearing me? He was following them in the wilderness. What I love about God... This is what I love about God. This is what jumps out at me about this amazing story. What, what I love about God is this, if you are in a hard place, he gets in the hard place with you. That's what this text says, that, that the rock was right there in the middle of the hard place. God says, if you're going to be in trouble, I'll be right there, right there with you. I'll prove it to you another way. One of the great names of God, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present in a hard place. His name means that he is present. It means wherever I am, he is there. So for those of you that are trying to give up and throw your hands in the air and think God is not there, he is there in a hard place. But the question is, is can you trust God in a hard place? Or maybe more importantly, can God trust you?
in a hard place. The point is, is I came to tell somebody in a hard place that you are not in a hard place by yourself. This rock has been following you all the way through the wilderness, all the way through your life. This rock has been following you. This rock has been following through cancer. This rock has been following me through bankruptcy. This rock has been following me through hurt and pain. That rock has been following you through abuse. The rock has been following you through your trauma. While you've been questioning why it happened, why it needed to happen, the rock has been there. The rock is just waiting on, are you gonna keep beating the rock or are you gonna speak to the rock? Did you hear what I just said? Are you gonna keep beating the rock? Listen to what he did that was wrong. He kept striking the rock. It was as if to say the crucifixion is not enough. When you stand in opposition to God, trying to strike something that God told you to sp speak to, do we not know that later in the word of God, does he not say that life and death is in the power of the tongue? He's telling you and I to speak to what stands in it against us. He said, I already solved it on the cross. This is where we go wrong. I already solved it on the cross. And while you're standing there and having the audacity to question me, where you're going wrong like Moses is in your disobedience. You're, you're still trying to smite me. You're still smiting someone who died for you, who died so that you can get my God, so that you can have victory over this. And all yet you need to do is stand flat stand and look at it and speak to the rock so because of his disobedience he was disciplined oh my god my god and yet the rock was with him all the while the point is is that God loves you he loves you so much that he'll provide for you and I even when we're rebellious that he, he, he loves you and I so much that even though you may be in a hard place you're gonna he's trying to help you and I work through the hard place that I can be persecuted but I'm not forsaken because the Lord is with me the Lord has been with me through my life the Lord has been with me every step of the way hallelujah thank you Jesus the last thing he told them if you're able, stand to your feet. The last thing he told them. That God judged Moses. The very last thing we read, God judged Moses because he said, you have not sanctified me before the people. You know what that means? He said, Moses, I'm judging you because of your disobedience because you did not sanctify me among the people. He was saying to Moses, Moses, you did not make them understand that their latter days shall be greater than their former days. In other words, let me break it down another way. He was telling them, and he, 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 what's wrong is, is, Moses, you didn't help to show them that what it took to bring them here, it will not take to get them there. So he said, you did not sanctify me before the people. It, it means once I, I was crucified, you will never have to go through that again. All you have to do is speak to me and I will make the water gush out for you. See, that's why you and I just have to open our mouth because the power of life and death is in our tongue. Hallelujah. You have the power in your mouth to change your situation. But the devil wants you to murmur and complain. But remember I said earlier, the devil is a liar. See, you've got to speak life to your death. You have to speak strength to your weakness. You have to speak healing to your disease. Amen. You get to be able to speak what the Word 
Word of God declares to speak. I, I, I just believe God wants, is challenging you and I to dare to open our mouth as we bring in a new, new year, that we dare to open up our mouth and speak what we ought, uh, that I may not see it, but I'll speak it. I, 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 it may not be like what I had hoped for. It may not look like what I had hoped for, but I'm going to speak it. Amen. What I learned about through this text and what I know about God is that the devil is after my tongue. He wants me to stop speaking life to my situation. God has designed it that whatsoever I desire, when I pray, the Bible says, if I believe it, I have received it and I shall, and I shall have it. So in other words, all I have to do is whatever I want, I just got to speak it. If I want the supernatural, I got to speak it. If I want the supernatural in my finances, I got to speak it. If I need breakthrough, I just got to speak it. All you got to do is speak the word. And get away from people who are murmuring and complaining. Find someone that's speaking healing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody said earlier, what's the Lord saying to you for the new year? And I'm going to leave you with this. I've had the privilege at times to go to places that I don't get to partake in ordinarily. So I went to a place and I got to eat my first seven course meal. I didn't pay for it. I was asked to go, and I sat down, and they started serving them course by course because they bring you one thing at a time. It's sort of annoying. But I guess that's how, you know, the elite are supposed to eat. And so I'm sitting at this seven-course meal. Fantastic. And at the end of the first course, they brought sorbet. And me being from backwoods that I am, I thought, is it? This is dessert. So I leaned over and I said, dessert already? I thought it was a seven-course meal. You'll get this after each course. It's a palate cleanser. It's to cleanse your palate so that your taste buds are ready for the next explosion of tasting the palate. The Lord said, sitting there chowing down and audibly I heard the Lord say tell them to get ready for the next course watch this if you and I have been murmuring and complaining cleanse your palate because in 2024 God is getting you ready for the next course meaning it's time for you to speak to the rock maybe you've been striking the rock Maybe you've been complaining about the surroundings and everything you don't have and what's not right. But I'm here to tell you, cleanse your palate. Cleanse your palate. E even the word that came forth earlier about his wonderful peace. God wants to cleanse your palate. He wants to wipe the slate clean so that what you're about to receive, you can enjoy to the fullest. So, so what am I saying? I want you to get ready. I'm getting ready to speak over some things. I'm getting ready to speak over my house. I'm getting ready to speak over my body. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to speak over my finances. I'm getting ready to speak over my children. Some of you need to get ready. And, 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 and the devil may try to shut your mouth, but, but the devil is a liar. You hear me? Instead of you shutting your mouth, you need to tell the devil to shut his mouth. Because I heard the Lord say that you and I need to get ready for the next course. That you and I 
need to give him praise in spite of what we don't see, in spite of what's wrong. In other words, this is what the Lord said through the text. This is what I declare and declare over the next year. I decree and I declare that the drought is over. That's what I decree and declare. The drought is over, that every dry thing, everything that's been dried up, everything that has been barren, everything that every resource that has been dried up, that, that the Lord showed me this text to decree and declare to you that, that the drought is over in the name of Jesus. So that's how I, I want to I wanna send you into this year. The drought is over. I want you to know you're about to spend the last 11 hours of this year in drought. I said the, the last, this is your last 11 hours in drought. I, I don't normally give a, a word for the year. In fact, I rarely do it. This is your last 11 hours of drought. That, that we're, we're on the countdown. And so when then the clock strikes midnight tonight in Times Square and everyone else is celebrating, they're celebrating because they're drunk and everything else. But you need to be celebrating because the, the drought is over. The, 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 the page turned. God said, I'm bringing you out. And, and not because you're going to strike a rock, but because you're going to speak to the rock. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you today? You're going to begin to speak to those things. So to every dry thing to every diseased thing, to everything that is not working. I, I want you to create and declare, and I want you to begin your new year speaking to it. If you have to, if you have to get out your checkbook and your wallet and speak to it, if you have to lay hands on yourself and speak to it, if you have to, my God, instead of letting the devil rule your house, lay hands and anoint your house and speak to your house. You know how I know that's true? When the Lord started giving me this word about speaking to things, I started going around my house because I've been off and on vacation so much I, I forgot what it's like. And uh, I started going around my house the other day and I was praying and speaking because there are needs in the home. And I thought, God, although I know there's money coming, I'm believing that I don't have to spend the money coming to take care of this that you said you would provide all of my needs. So watch this. So I started, I said, God, I thank you that I'm receiving a divine strategy from heaven to do what needs done. Do you know, in the next 45 minutes, I was cleaning. I was wiping, dusting down my mantle and cleaning out the fireplace. And suddenly a download came from heavens. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. And God gave a, a plan. I'm going to roll it out on Tuesday nights as soon as we get through this next. We've been doing, we're moving into the kingdom that's going to deal with our, our provision. As soon as I do that, I'm going to show you the plan that God gave me for overflow and abundance. And we're going to implement it here in our church. We've been struggling in an area, and Lois knows what I'm talking about. And, and God gave me the strategy for overflow. He gave it. It was real simple. And when he laid it out, he laid it out. I was like, are you for real, God? I literally, I literally, I, I worked in the bank for years. I was literally sitting there, got out my calculator. I used my phone, and I thought, this can't be right. So I went and got an old school calculator, my old 10-key calculator. I thought, my, that can't be right. Apple, that can't be right. I did that. And I thought, my God. God just gave a 100-day strategy. A 100-day strategy into overflow. And I checked the math, and you know God was right. Believe it. God was right. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm excited about it, even though I can't share it to you now. I'm going to lay it out on Tuesday nights, not starting this week, but starting next week, showing you 
what God showed me, and it will, it will bless you and it will help you. I'm telling you. For people who say, I've never been able to save money, just wait. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. It is the Lord's will for you. It's what God wants. He's going to take you to places where you've seen things dried up if you'll start speaking to it. Speaking to it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just speak to it. So this morning as we close, we're going to close. I want you to pray with me and just start speaking to things that aren't right. If it's your health, if it's your finances, if it's your marriage, if it's your home, if it's your family, whatever it is, we're going to close and just speak to it. We're not going to strike it. We're going to speak to it. So, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus today for your word. I, I thank you, mighty God, that you are, that that you have power, and that, Lord, you have given us power. Lord, you, you even said within your word that, Lord, within our tongue is, is the power of life and death is in our tongue. And so, God, today we choose just to speak to those things that are not and, and call them as though they were. God, I thank you today that you are mighty and that you are powerful. And God, I thank you today that we are overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God, we will speak to those things that stand in opposition to us. God, we praise you and we thank you. So, Father, to everything that isn't working in people's life, God, to everything that isn't functioning, God, how you promised it, that God, we've been angry and God, we've been frustrated and God, we've been irritated because it's been delayed just like the children of Israel. God, today I pray that you would awaken us to the revelation and God, we would bring in the new year speaking. We would be bringing the new year speaking to our homes and speaking to our finances. Lord, we would bring in the new year speaking to our ma marriages, speaking to our households and our families, God. Bringing in the new year, God, speaking to those dead things, speaking to dead things that they shall live in the name of Jesus. Speaking health and wholeness and healing to every area of sickness and disease. So, Father, I pray over your people today and I speak life, I speak wholeness. God, I, I speak to you that, Lord, this is a, a, a year that, Lord, dead things come to life. I, I speak that this is the year that we turn the page on what was and, Lord, we step into to what is. I thank you that, Lord, we turn the page as you spoke it, the word that the drought is over. God, we receive your word that every area of lack, every area of resistance, God, everything that's been dried up, every resource that we can't even see with our eyes, the drought is over. And, God, I thank you that, that in just hours away, that, Lord, we step into a time that is full of refreshment, that, Lord, it is, it is full of overflow, that, God, it would be full of, of, of your mercy and your grace and your wondrous works. Oh, God, I praise you and I thank you, mighty God, for all that you do. Now, God, awaken our spirits to receive your word. God, help us, Lord, to see it with great revelation that, Lord, we walk into the new year expecting and speaking to the rock to the rock. So God, we give you thanks and praise and glory. Lord, now bless, move, minister, empower your people, God, this day and every day. God, as we leave this place, but not your presence, bless offerings and tithes that are sown both here and online. Multiply it. Bring increase. God, lead your people into overflow. Lead your people into more than enough resources than what they need, I pray. In the mighty, powerful, great name of Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.